0: Well, hey, would you uh, turn in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 13? If you don't have a Bible, um, there should be a black one uh, in, underneath a chair in front of you or underneath you there. Just to tell you a little bit, if you're new to Jubilee, like how do we organize preaching? How does it work? Sometimes people ask me that, especially in membership. You know, how do you come up with the messages? Well, there's really two kinds of messages that we do. We do topical and we do kind of verse by verse. And so we just went through a series called Visionary Love, and it was a topical series about the spills and thrills of marriage, sex, and dating. And here in a couple of weeks, we're getting ready to go through the book of Colossians. We're just going to walk through that book. And so that's a verse-by-verse, verse, and that'll take us 15, 18, 20 weeks or whatever, something like that. And then every once in a while, there's a slot in there that's just nothing in the sense that it's, just, it's like a standalone message. And I'll just leave space in there, either myself or someone else, just to kind of share what's on their heart. And if you know me, I'm like really planned out. Like I, I know generally speaking what I'm gonna preach on about a year from now, and I just exact, I know. And um, and so we're it, you just thought out what. And so, but today though, as I've been was thinking about, okay, God, what would you have me share on today? I, I had a couple thoughts. But I kept wrestling and wrestling and wrestling with it, and like God wasn't really, talent, like, really highlighting anything, and and ask a few people, hey, you know, here's a few ideas, what do you think, and they kind of said some things, and it just didn't resonate, and, and the days went by, and, the, and you know, and hours are going by, because it's, now it's Saturday, and I'm like, you know, any day now, God, and um, I, and my wife yesterday's like, hey, what are you going to speak on? I was like, you know what, I actually really don't know, and, uh, which is different, I mean, for some people, they, they ride that way, and they're just kind of fly by the seat of their pants, I'm more planned, and so it was so this I wake up really early this morning, I, I did feel like God really uh, gave me something to share, but I just wanted to say that because if you 're listening to today and you 're thinking like, "Where is this going i 'm um, wondering that too, and so we 'll just kind of like go through it together. So let me kind of tell you what I think I really want to drive home today it 's this is that this invitation. Uh, that Jesus invites us into. So what does it mean to be a Christian, right? Is it is it going to church? Is it reading your Bible? Is it praying? Is it doing certain things or not doing certain things? Here's the bottom dollar. The, 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 the invitation is to come and be with Jesus. That's it. The invitation is to be with Jesus. So just write that down. And if you get lost throughout this, that, that's what it is. The invitation is to be with Jesus. But I think we'll be helped by what... Um, Jesus Himself has to say in John 14, where verse 33. I'm going to read this verse, and then we're going to skip over to chapter 14 and read about 20 verses there, and then we'll and then we'll talk. Um, So Jesus says this: "Little children," He's he's talking to His disciples. Uh, This is the final week of His life, and John 13 to 17 is what's called the Upper Room Discourse. This is great, rich, thick teaching. And he's kind of saying, "Hey, this is this. I'm, I'm I want to want you to know some things that are really really important." And so he says to his disciples gathered in this room, he says, "Little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come." Verse, uh, chapter fourteen, verse one. Let your heart not let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So he just said, Hey, where I'm going, you can't be. And then he says, Where I'm going, you can be. We'll talk about that. when the Bible repeats itself, it means it's like really important. It's, it's really underlying this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me also will do the works than I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you and me, and I in you. The, the Christian claim is a very robust claim. This is it, that, that we claim, that, that Christians claim that God is, is with us, that his presence is among us. The, the God of the universe, the one who spoke it all into being, he, he lives in us and he lives with us. That is the Christian claim, that, that God wants to be with us and he is with us. And this has been true from the very beginning. When you read through the Bible and you start in Genesis, Genesis means beginning, and you begin to read through that, you see very, very early on, in fact, the very purpose of creation is to be with us. He, he creates Adam and Eve, and he, and he walks with them in the cool of the day. And his desire was to be with them, but even though God wanted to be with us, we didn't want to be with him. We, we rejected him. He was after relationship, but he got rebellion, and, and we were cut off. And so when you think about the relationship that God has uh, toward us, it's kind of like a benevolent parent with a rebellious child. It's not like two friends who just kind of, you know, they kind of went on their ways. Like I used to hang with this guy and, uh, you know, we just kind of like, you know, he, he stopped calling and I stopped calling and we just kind of drifted apart. You know, it's kind of mutual. That's not the picture here. Jesus wasn't kind of like, well, you know, we drift apart from him and we, you know, he kind of drifts apart from us. And, you know, I thought we were cool, but, you know, really not. And just kind of split apart. Now, this is a benevolent parent who desperately wants to have a relationship with us, but he doesn't get relationship. He gets rebellion. And so it moves on and it goes on and on and on, but God, God wasn't done. God, God wants to be with us and he 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 he's after us. In fact, I love what it says in Second Samuel um, you know, 14, 14, because you and I, you know, if, if somebody came to us and said, Hey, you know what, this relationship's kind of splits here and like, you know, we're, we're done and you know, defriend on Facebook, you're like, okay, I'll cut you off then. I <laughs> uh, you know, you know, you know, I, I hate you too. And it's just like we we'll we go that way, but that's not what God does. In fact it says in 2 Samuel 1414 14, he says, we all must die. We are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. It's the fate of every human being. Encouraging thought. You will die. You'll be spilled on the ground like water. And who, oh who, can gather that back up? But God will not take away life he devises means, he devises ways so that the banished one will not remain an outcast. Some of you are thinking, like, what in, why, am I, why am I here today? Well, here's what I believe. I believe that God is devising ways so that the banished ones will not remain an outcast. You're trying, you're, you're trying to go, you're trying to be on the outside, you're trying to be on the edge. But God in his infinite love and mercy and sovereignty has devised ways because he loves you. This is, the, the Bible's full of this, Genesis to Revelation. Starts with God wanting to be with people, ends with God wanting to be with his people. Revelation 21, it's this vision of the future. And what we see there is, is God, God a, a new city, a new Jerusalem coming down. And God being with his people. It's a place of no tears, no regrets, no pain, no suffering. God wants to be with his people. And this is throughout the whole Bible. So even though Adam and Eve uh, were cut off and they were banished uh, from the garden because that's what they really want. They, really, they wanted their, their own way. God still wanted a people. So he comes to a man named Abraham. He says, okay, I'm going to start a new nation through you. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, okay, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to choose through your physical line. This is, this is where my presence is going to be because I want to be with people. And he chose Israel. He didn't choose he didn't choose the Romans. He didn't choose Europe. He didn't choose Africa. He chose, this is where I'm going to dwell, and I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a covenant. And it, it's, it's like a marriage. In fact, it uses that language, betrothed. It's like, you're my special, unique people. That's where my presence is going to be. And, and you know, th- that went sideways at times as they found that the people of God found them, their, themselves into bondage. Like, we often find ourselves... Uh, into bondage with the, Egyptian, the Egyptians, and so God comes to Moses, and his presence shows up in a, in a bush, and it's kind of this phenomenal thing. You can read about this in Exodus 3, and God speaks through to, uh, this bush, speaks out from this bush uh, to Moses and says, I want you to go rescue my people, and that's exactly what God does. God goes, uses Moses, and he goes, and he rescues his people, but he doesn't just rescue them he, God doesn't just rescue to rescue. He, he it says He rescued them so that they, they could worship Him, so they could be with Him. Because I want this, God's like I want presence. Among, I want my presence amongst you, and I want you to be amongst my presence. God doesn't just rescue to rescue. He's not like you know, like the superheroes we know, who rescue and then they kind of hide away. They wear a mask and they hide away in the dark. So Lois Lane never know who Superman really is. You know, Rachel Dawes never really knows that her, you know, childhood friend, Bruce, is really Batman. He wears a mask. His identity is hidden. He doesn't want, he doesn't, superheroes don't, they don't want you to know who they are. They just rescue to rescue. But God isn't like that. He doesn't just rescue and then go hide in a corner. I don't want you, I don't want you to know. You know, he rescues so that you will know him. I'm not hiding my face from you. My, my desire is to be with you. My desire is to be amongst you he says and so he they he delivers them from Egypt and they go off into the desert and they wander around but he, and he's with them and he's with them he's caring for them he's providing for them he's leading them he's guiding them fire by night a pillar of cloud during the day just dramatic you know stuff and he's lead, he's feeding them he's he's providing water for them he's protecting them he's always with them because that's what his real desire is to be with us that's what he's after but, you know, is there, if you read about, you know, the, the, the stories, it's just like they, they can never get it right. They kept wanting to rebel. You know, God's wanting a relationship. They c- we just keep rebelling. So they make an image. They make like a golden calf. I mean, which is always strange to me, like a calf. I mean, it'd be cool if it was like a cheetah or something, but it's like a, go- I mean, like a golden calf and, and so something else. But they make it, the, and they just, their hearts rebelled. And there was separation. And, and God's like, okay, well, if you don't want to be with me, then fine. You don't have to be with me. And God didn't like come and like lightning bolt them like we think he's going to come and you know judge us. Sometimes we think of the judgment of God as just coming down and destroying us. Actually, the judgment of God is just saying, You want to be away from me? And then allowing that. And that's what happened. He said, if you don't want to be away. And Moses intervenes and says, Hey, time out. Time out. Hold on a second. And he pleads with him, please, please don't leave us. In fact, it says in Exodus 33, verse 15, I have this on the screen for you. He says, if your presence doesn't go with us, doesn't go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I in your people? And this is so huge. He says, is it not in your going with us that we are distinct I and your people, from every people, from every other people on the face of the earth. He's like, what's the point if you're not with us? What's the point if your presence doesn't go? I mean, just you know, kill me now. I'm just, we're done. So he pleads with them, and, and God is, is gracious. God is gracious, and he um, he he says, okay, I'll stick around, and, and so they make this tent where the, the, uh, uh, Moses does, and this is where his presence would now be, and, and through the Ark of the Covenant, you can, you can read about this um, through Indiana Jones, and so you can, uh, if you don't know what it is, or the Bible, either one, and so, so this is where his presence was, and it said that in, in Exodus 40, it says his glory just filled his place. And like people fell back, and like no one could even go—not even Moses could go in because it was just so holy and sacred. It was just his presence was an awesome, awesome thing. And his his and and then it moves on from there. And he kind of he kind of lived in this tent for a while until one day King David was like, "Hey, you know, I live in this amazing house, and God lives in a tent. Doesn't seem right." So he constructs this temple, and so now God would live in this. In this temple, but it was like in the in the center of the of the temple, and only a few people could go in there um, on special days, and and it was pretty pretty an uh, exclusive thing, and that's where God's presence was. But again, the people just kept rebelling and rebelling, and so God's just like, man, this is okay, fine, if you don't want to be with me, then we'll just end this. And so an invading army, the Babylonians uh, came in and they they, destroyed, they took, the, they took the God's people, the Israelites, back into bondage and they destroyed the temple. And so now where God's presence will be. Well, there was this attempt to make another temple and the people who saw the first temple was like, man, this is nothing like the first one. But then God would raise up guys like Ezekiel. These are prophets that would come and besides doing a bunch of weird things, would prophesy about this, this other temple that would be even greater. God's presence, God's presence would show up in another temple, and it would be even more fantastic. Because, again, in the, in the old temple, as amazing as it was, only you, know, you had to be a part of the, a special nation. And then within that nation, you had to be a part of a special clan. And within that clan, you had to be a priest. And within that priest, you had to be like the priest. And you could go in once a year. And this was never God's heart. God's heart was never that only a few people would kind of trickle into his presence, but that his glory would fill the earth as the water covers the sea. It was God's heart. And this began to become fulfilled. It became more known when this Jesus of Nathers comes and he looks at the temple and he says, "God will dest- I will destroy this temple, or if you destroy this temple, I will raise it up in three days. Of course, he's talking about himself. That now that God's presence would be made known through us. And when you read about Jesus and his coming in, in John chapter 1, for example, John 1:14, it says that, that, that God made his dwelling place with men, that the word became flesh. That word is for Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now the word dwelt means to tabernacle, that God tabernacled among us. Uh, literally, he pitched his tent. That God made himself known to the community. You know, here's God who was other, who was distant. You know, you go in there and you, you fall backwards. And, you know, it was an awesome, you know, people who could really know God. He's mysterious. And, but now here, God, he's taken on flesh in Jesus and he dwells amongst us. He's making himself known uh, amongst uh, the, the world, just like he always wanted to be. In fact, it says this in... Um, Hebrews uh, chapter uh, Hebrews one chapter three. It says that he, this is Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. Now, word imprint. uh, Jesus used this word with the with the Pharisees, with with the religious guys. When when the religious guys asked the question, we always ask is is, Do I really have to pay taxes? And uh, he's like, Well, let me see a coin. And they showed him a coin, and they said, Who's, he says, whose imprint is this? Whose imprint is this? And they're like, well, it's Caesar. Well, he's like, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. And what, and what he was saying is that the imprint was on the coin, just like you have a coin, is that they'd take a piece of metal, and they'd have a stamp that was an exact imprint of what Caesar looked like. They'd take that piece of metal, stamp it, sh- Take another piece of metal, stamp it, and then you have all these coins that have Caesar's imprint on it. Jesus says that, or the Hebrews is saying that Jesus is the exact imprint. God, Jesus, that is, so we know what God is like. We know his attitude toward children. We know how God feels about children because we know how Jesus treats children. We know his attitude toward repentant, humble sinners because we see how Jesus treated sinners. We know how God feels about uh, religious people because we know how Jesus treated. He, he never led us astray. He always got it right. He is the exact imprint. So even when he, like, he, goes, into the, he goes into the temple, and there's the money changers, remember that? And he, and he turns over everything and he beats people with whips. Like Jesus had a bad day today and you know, kind of walked up on the, you know, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. He didn't get it wrong. That's exactly how God felt. He's the exact imprint of God. And and so this is Jesus amongst these people, and and he just kind of took them into, he took his disciples, he called this group of people to be with him. And it's just amazing being with Jesus. As you read the stories, I mean, he shows up. I mean, how amazing would it be to go to a party with Jesus? He shows up at this party, you know, and they run out of wine. And, you know, so Jesus, whammo, this amazing wine, you know, Chateau Lafitte, 1997, just like, <laughs> it was a good year, by the way. And so he brought it from the, few, in here. And so he, yeah, he just showed, it. wow, it's amazing being with Jesus. Or you remember that, that time that little girl died? Everyone thought, you know, everyone thought she was dead and she was dead. And he, Jesus went into the room and he gathered her in her arms. He says, little child, arise. Whew, breath comes into her. So I can give this girl something to eat. She's hungry. It's amazing. It was amazing. Remember that time we were out at sea? And we all thought we were gone. We were gonna die. And we were like, you know, we, we were all like all stressed out. And here's Jesus napping, right? <laughs> and so we finally get him to wake up. He oh, and just says, okay, be still. And then he goes back to bed. He says, remember that? That was amazing. So it's just amazing being with Jesus. Oh, you remember that time where we followed him up a mountain, and actually another 5,000 people followed him up on this mountain? 5,000 men plus women and children, so it's probably like 20,000 uh, men, women, and children. They all followed up on this mountain. He taught them all, and he healed many. And then we all went to bed on that mountain. We woke up the next day, and he started teaching again. On that day, if you remember, he, it says that he healed all of them. Amazing. And so we go to bed that night, and then we wake up on another day. You know, as you imagine, people still hanging around. And Jesus looks at the crowds. He says, they're probably hungry. It's been a couple days. And so usually Jesus would kind of just do it. But this time he says, you feed them. So why don't you do this? And they're like, what? Are you crazy? I mean, this would take like, you know, I don't know how many wa- days' wages this would take. So he asked us. He goes, what do you got? Was, oh, we got a couple fish and a- some loaves. And so he says, that'll do. All right. And so they began to kind of pinch out little pieces and hand it out. And it just began to multiply. And, and we actually were able to feed 20,000 people with a couple fish and some bread. And we had 12 baskets left over. It's just, man, Jesus is amazing. And he, he always let us in on things. And so he sent us, he, would, he began to send us out to preach. And we would preach and we, people would come to faith and then we would baptize them. And then they, we would cast out demons and we would heal people. Remember that one time we, you know, we saw Satan fall from the sky. And so he let us in. Man, being with Jesus was just amazing. And he had this authority about him. I mean, just being with Jesus, he had this authority about him. And so he, he, there's this one time, you know, he's walking into uh, Jerusalem, and on the way there, he sees a fig tree. And Jesus is like, well, I'd like to have a fig. He goes up to the fig tree, but there were no figs. So he cursed it, and it withered immediately. Now, just so you know, this wasn't like Jesus, like, in a bad mood because... You know, there was no figs there, and now no one can eat Fig Newtons. It's just like it's all over for figs. But the fig tree back then was a, it was a symbol of Jewish spiritual authority. And so Jesus, with his disciples, is walking into the city of Jerusalem, and in the center of that city is the temple. And on his way, he curses and kills the symbol of the religious authority of the day. This was a loaded political social state. This is like walking down Pennsylvania Avenue and burning the flag. This was a big deal. And it was like his disciples, were like, oh, did you see like some rap battle? I mean, just like, whoa, did you <laughs> did you see what just he did there? And but he just like let him have it. And what he was doing there, he he was saying to these religious guys, "The, the system that you've created is coming down. And the way to know God is through me. And so remember when Jesus, there was that paralytic, the crippled man. And he comes to this crippled man and he said to him, your sins are forgiven. And this whew, infuriated the religious. You can't say that. No one can say that but God. And so he, he, he asked the, the religious guys a question. He said, okay, what's easier? To forgive this man's sins or to say, get up and walk? Silence. So he said, and so he says, okay, just so you know, religious guys, that I have the power to forgive sins, he says, get up and walk. And He did. I mean, being with Jesus was amazing. And this was the deal for the disciples. Because the deal was for the disciples. Jesus comes and he finds them, and he says, come follow me. The invitation was to come be with me. And they left everything. They left their careers. They left their jobs. They left left their, their families. They left all that they knew to be with Jesus. They wanted to be with Jesus. And now he's saying to them, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you. What? What are you talking about? Jesus, we just left houses. We left family. We left our jobs to be with you. That's the deal. That's what we got into. That's what you signed us up for. We left everything for that. This is why, this is why we're here, is to be with you. Now you're saying you're You're leaving? I mean, that's why after he died, they went back to fishing. This thing was about being with Jesus. Now, Jesus isn't here, so we're, we're, we're going to be with And Mary Magdalene, you can read about her. Uh, Jesus had cast seven demons out of her, and she followed him with great devotion everywhere she went. Her deal was being with him. So you can read about her where, like, she would, after Jesus died and was buried in the tomb, she wanted to be with Jesus so much that she just, she just wanted to be next to his body. So she goes just to be by his dead body. And she goes to the tomb, and there is no body. And she yells out, who has taken my Lord? Because for her, it was about being with Jesus. But Jesus says, I'm giving you another. Whew, okay. Now, and Peter's like, okay, guys, you can relax. You know, I know he, he was kind of taking us, for, but he said he's going to send us Another. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the exact imprint of the Father. So here's what Jesus is saying. He says, You know, you can know God because you know me. God who 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 came to Adam and Eve in the garden, who was with Moses and the Israelites and through the, the, the temple and the and the sacrificial So all the, the God of the Old Testament. Who is he really like? He's mysterious. Well, I am the exact imprint of Of the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the exact imprint. And I'm leaving though. But I am sending another, another helper. I am the exact imprint of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is another. That's how I am going to be with you. I am sending the Holy Spirit. He says, I won't leave you orphaned. I won't leave you orphaned. I will give you another. Now, especially if you're like, what is, you know, what is this all about? Let me tell you what's happening. Like we're gathered together every week, and like, what is the church really about? The church isn't a place where we like come together and remember what Jesus used to do. We don't come together. Oh, remember that one time when Jesus used to do this? And you remember that one time when he did that? Remember, remember that? And we just kind of come together when we affirm each other in some dogma or doctrine or whatever. We're, we're, not, a, we're not a place that just kinds of reads and, man, that, was, that must have been amazing to be back when Jesus was alive and maybe one day that'll happen. Now, here's the deal, guys. This whole thing is about that Jesus, that the presence of God is with us. The whole, this whole thing is about being with Him and Him being amongst us. In fact, that's why He says to His disciples, He says, you, You've seen the works that I've done. You know, we just listed them out. You know, just, you know, you. Water and wine, calm the sea, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, preach the gospel, baptize people. All the works that I've done, you will do greater. Why? Because I'm not leaving you. I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you. Because I'm sending another, I'm sending a a helper. He's going to be with you. And so through him, I will never leave you. So we are a community of people that gathers to and with God's presence. This isn't just like remembering the good old days and thank God for the stories in this. This is about living out what God would have us do today. And there's just a couple of things that I want to direct us about the Holy Spirit as it relates to this. In verse 17, Three things. Let's just take a second. It says, it says, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So he dwells with you. You know, we have this thought of God, you know, God the Father, he's like in this uber crown, right? And then Jesus is like on a little miniature crown, God on a big uber throne, excuse me. And Jesus... He's like on a little throne, and the Holy Spirit, well, he doesn't even get a throne. He just kind of whisks about, and he's just like this force, but he's a person. He's with us. He's here right now. The Holy Spirit is with Jesus is with his God's, Jesus, exact imprint of the Father. Holy Spirit, just like Jesus. It's amazing. He's with us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's out in front. He's convicting the world of sin. You know, we're not alone. We're not here to you know, figure it out on ourselves. So he's with us, but he's also in us. When you become a Christian, the Spirit of God dwells in you and makes you a new creation. It changes your heart. gives you new desires. In fact, it's one of the things Ezekiel prophesied. So I'll take out your heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. So that's what Paul writes in Philippians to the church in Philippi. It says, God will put in you both the will and the way to do what he's asked you to do. God will give you the desire for that. I remember, like, when I first came to Jesus in at in a college, and I remember, you know, I always go out on the weekend with my buddies, and they called me, hey, you want to go out? And I said, no. I didn't tell them the reason, but in, the, in my head, I'm thinking, well, actually, I'd like to, like, stay home and, like, read and pray. And I remember hanging up the phone and thinking, like, I had, like, an out-of-body experience. I'm like, did I really just say that? Because, like, like a week ago, I didn't. I, that was dumb to me, but God was doing a new thing in me, a new desire. So God's in you. God's His Spirit is in you, and you should listen to His Spirit. He'll He'll lead you in the right places. He's He's with you. He's in you. And let me show you one more passage. Jesus says right before He goes, because He's not just with you. He's not He's not just in you. But Acts one eight says, "But you will see power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you." He's with you, he's in you, and he comes upon you. He empowers you. Some of us are like, yeah, you know, like I've been at this Christian thing for a while, and I, I want to do what God wants me to do. You know, I want to share it with my friends, and I just can't like, get over the hump. God says, I will, I will empower you to do that. I will send my spirit, who is with you, and he's in you, I also upon you. Just like Jesus. Jesus at his baptism. Before he did any earthly ministry at all. Before he did all the amazing things that we just talked about. He's baptized. Father speaks from heaven. This is my son. This speaks identity into him. He's not, I don't love him because of what he's done. I love him just because I've, he's my son. He has the same thing to you. He just speaks identity over you. And then after he speaks identity over you, he, we see the Holy Spirit coming and descending upon Jesus, just empowering him to do ministry. When we open up the pages of Acts, which is just the story of how the early church got started, it's great if you haven't read that yet. What we read is before the church would go out and do any ministry, just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit would descend upon them and empower them for ministry. Jesus wants to empower you for ministry. He's not left you alone. He's not left you to figure this thing out on your own. He wants to lead you and guide you, and he's with you. He's like, he's co-labor with you. And when you don't feel like you've, you've got it in you to do it, that's half right because you don't. But he doesn't leave you there. He wants to send his power upon you and sweep you up into a new realm of fruitfulness and boldness and courage and just, I mean, my, every day to me is like a total shock. I mean, I just would have never imagined my life the way it is, you know, um, 13, 14 years ago, whatever it was, it's just 15 years ago. I'm getting, I'm getting old, and so they, it's, it gets, the, it's just like because the Bible says in Ephesians 2, in Ephesians 2:10, Paul writes and he says that God has prepared in advance good works for you to walk into. So every day, someone to love, someone to care for, someone to bless, someone to minister to, and He gives us like the power to do it. It's amazing, and He wants to do that for you today.